Welcome to Inspire Campfire, a podcast where ordinary people tell their stories of extraordinary adventure. These are campfire stories meant to inspire the rest of us to light the fire within, get outside, follow our dreams, and return to tell our own stories. Ready? Let's strike the match. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Scott Wurzbacher, a child of the 80s. And one of my favorite movies was the Cannonball Run about a race across the country. It featured an all-star cast, including Burt Reynolds, Dom DeLuise, Farrah Fawcett, Dean Martin, Jackie Chan, so many more. According to Wikipedia, a cannonball run is an unsanctioned speed record for driving across the United States from New York to Los Angeles. Apparently, the current record is 25 hours and 39 minutes with an average speed of 110 miles an hour. Wow. Today's guest, Mike Gandolfo, made his own cannonball run earlier this year with his son riding shotgun. Mike wears many hats. He's the owner of RE Solutions, a multi-office real estate brokerage in Louisville, Kentucky. He's a former championship basketball coach and still carries that coach's heart with him today. He's an avid horse racing fan. He serves on the board of directors for the Kentucky Derby Festival, and he's co-host of the Horse Racing Happy Hour podcast. He is a certified 12-week year trainer. And along with one of our previous guests, Michael Lennington, he hosts the Aligned Life Pro podcast. Mike may not have broken the cannonball run record, but he had an amazing time in the process, and he's here to share his story with us. Mike, my good friend, welcome to the campfire. Man, I'm so excited to be here. And uh, I, I remember when uh, you and I were talking just about when this uh, podcast was in, was an idea in your head, and to see it come to fruition, but then I've been sharing it with so many people, and I was actually having coffee with a guy this morning He who just is like eating up all your episodes and just loving the podcast. And uh, he's like, get me on this show. He's like, I grew up in the woods and I've been to Alaska three times. Like, I want to I want to be on the show. So <laughs> nice. Well, we want to talk to him. And uh, yeah, <laughs> definitely credit goes to Mike Gandolfo for helping me get this set up. You're kind of my uh, my inspiration and a mentor along the way. And I'm ever grateful for that, Mike. Um, yeah, we're yeah. going to we're going to get into some of that because you have a coach's heart and you are you are a connector at your very core. But uh, I want to ask. So do you remember the movie? cannonball run with with all of those all-star actors so um i'm gonna say yes and no uh, okay. I, I definitely do remember the movie i probably have not seen it uh in a in a long time but i have seen it before uh but it's probably been 30 something years uh but yes i do remember the the cannonball run oh man it was one of my favorites as a kid just all these harebrained cars and activities and are just, we the same age or are you a little bit older are you a little bit i think we're about the same age i probably just watched more tv than you did you, I, you, I was born in 1976 yeah 75 so okay so we're right there yeah <laughs> yeah so so i had a little bit of fun kind of thinking about when you told me about this trip that you took and yeah. uh, i just immediately thought a cannonball run so so let's just let's just get it right out there right the record is 25 hours 39 minutes how long did it take you to do this trip yeah, so uh, we started in Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, we plotted out a, um, a, a southern route, and then we kind of went up the coast of California a little bit, and then a northern route home. So we did, like did this big circle, um, 
and it was my son and I, and it, we did it over the course of nine days, uh, generally driving. If I had to guess, I think the longest drive day was probably 11 hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I would say we were normally right around the eight and a half hour, eight and a half hours of driving a day, you know, so we could actually enjoy some of the places that we went to. So, right. Yeah. And so yeah. how many, so in nine days, how many miles did you cover? Uh, it's like 5,600. 5,600 yeah. miles. Over yeah. I used to days. know exactly what it was, but it was, it was in that ballpark. So, yeah. So maybe, so maybe not a true cannonball run. Like it wasn't a race across the country, but you had, well, so what, what I love about this is that you had a limited amount of time, but mm-hmm. like you wanted to pack in as much as you could in a short period of time. And I think like, what's so cool about that in terms of this podcast is, you know, we, we work within our limits and you guys like, you know, 5,600, like who goes 5,600 miles in nine days? Like, well, Mike Gandolfo and his son Rocco do tell us about this trip. Like, can you give us some highlights and what, what you did and where you went? Well, first I think it's important to know the origins because I think, uh, you know, it's, this is not something that we just like, had this massive planning session and we've been working for it forever. This is, you know, like I know some of your other guests have talked about, this is, this is a product out of, you know, we're a year into COVID. My son is getting ready to go absolutely crazy. Just not being in school in person. Like, you know, the mental, if, if you have teenagers right now, as I know you do too, like mm-hmm. the mental health impact of COVID to our kids has been, just really, really severe. And you've done stuff as a parent too, that I know that kind of combat that and taking them on some trips and whatever else. But, you know, my son was um, just needed to get out of the house, needed, needed to go on an adventure. And we were watching a documentary about the giant sequoia trees. He's like, I want to go see the giant sequoia trees. And I was like, all right, let's go. Like the flexibility of what you and I do and having the people around us. Like I can say in February, spring breaks coming up, let's go. And we, that's what we did. It was, we probably had, I don't know, six weeks of training or six weeks of planning, maybe even less than that. And we're like, okay, I'm, you know, I started plotting out a route and started looking at some of the cities we could hit along the way and, and where we could stop. And, um, and we mapped it out. And so we left Louisville. The very first stop we made was, and this was not a, um, this was just kind of stopping for lunch and just kind of seeing the stuff. We wouldn't, we, we stayed overnight, but the first stop we made was in Memphis, Tennessee. We went and visited yep. where Martin Luther King uh, was assassinated. And, uh, and that was, uh, and so the first day wasn't an ambitious 12 hour day was one of the longer runs. And so yep. it was, that was about halfway for us to get to Oklahoma city. And honestly, we got to Oklahoma city pretty exhausted and we wake up the next morning. And I, cause I figured out that the, the key to this road trip was getting up early and knocking out as much of the drive before lunch as possible, enjoying the places we were to visit, you know, kind of after lunch. Yep. And then we went to bed fairly early. And so we got up and we drove to the Oklahoma City bombing site. Mm. And I was not prepared for how powerful it's, it might be my favorite monument in the United States. Wow. And especially going when it's not daylight outside, because when it's lit up, it's absolutely beautiful. And we're on the, the, the path to go see these giant sequoia trees, but we're impacted right off the bat by something on the bombing site that's called the survivor tree. And the survivor tree in Oklahoma City, uh, it was basically the only shade tree that was uh, right behind the bombing site. Like, I mean, right there, right behind the bombing site. 
and uh and so people would eat lunch under whatever but it was it was traditionally it was it was known as the ugly tree i mean it was just this ugly elm tree that you know it served its purpose for providing shade and then when the bombing happened it really severely damaged this tree uh but somehow the tree fought through and survived and now it's grown into this just absolutely gorgeous elm tree like it's been completely transformed by this uh the negative event of the oklahoma city bombing and so we went from oklahoma city hold on you got you gotta stop there because that's that's i mean let's you know i think everybody can infer what that metaphor is but you said that was one of the most impactful things that you that happened on that trip so can we just go deeper a minute there on that like what what did that what did that mean to you you know, I, I vividly remember um, when the Oklahoma City bombing happened. I, I remember where I learned about it. We were, I just started dating my wife and we were on the back porch of her mother's house and her mother was in tears and she told us about what happened. And, um, but you can just really get there and feel that this event. And, and, and if you kind of even look at what's gone on in Oklahoma City since then, like the growth that has happened in that city. You know, it's now a professional sports town. It's all this stuff has happened, but this one event, which could have been just, which was incredibly tragic, is it's one of those crossroads on life where things could have gone, you know, things could have gone totally in the toilet, or you could, you know, pick yourself up and say, "We're gonna, we're gonna, uh, we're gonna come back from this and become better." And Oklahoma City has definitely done that. And and then when you get there, but they've they've memorialized every single person who died in that event. And to be honest, I was not so prepared for how many little kids died in the Oklahoma city bombing because the bombing actually happened on the other side of what was the daycare. I mean, the daycare was the first place that felt the impact of the bombing. Then you get here about this survivor tree and the, and the lessons that with the survivor tree of just like, even though you're going through tough times, you might actually feel like you're cut down to the absolute nub you can grow back and you can grow back beautiful and stronger than before. And uh, if your if your roots are good enough, you know, you can, you can overcome all that stuff. And, and then finally on the other side of the bombing site, um, you know, because this was a huge explosion, there is actually a Catholic church, their Catholic cathedral is just on the other side of the bombing site. And my son and I are Catholic and uh, our faith is important to us. And, um, the Catholic church was damaged where these, everything was blown out the walls. The glass windows were blown out except for the crucifix. Wow. And, you know, just, you know, it, it was a message of having the roots, uh, and, and really knowing that you can overcome whatever comes your way, how important your faith could be. And just, uh, and again, but the light that you see when you go here at night, cause everything's lit up and illuminated, uh, that the light that can come out of negative events that you know i think if you went and asked if you surveyed a bunch of people and you said hey what's the best thing that's ever happened to you was the worst thing that ever happened to you there's a large portion of that group that would say it's the exact same event that the best thing that ever happened to you and the worst thing that's ever happened to you is the exact same event and uh because of what has come out of uh, such a tragic event Mike, I mean, we're 12 minutes in and I think, I think we're already done. Like, <laughs> I mean, are we 12 minutes? I can, I'm sorry. I'm so we gonna get more. We're, we can't get any more impactful than that. Like, so yeah. here's, here's the thing. You guys started on this trip and yeah. I, I mean, you went right in cause you went to Memphis and you went to the place where MLK was assassinated. Then you right. go to Oklahoma city and you're checking out the bombing site and you tell us this beautiful story of 
the survival tree. Yeah. And I mean, in, in both of these, the, the message is that we have to go through suffering to get yeah. through the hard times and then come out the other side. And man, that's what like, that's what this whole podcast is about. It's yeah. about like, you know, why people put themselves into these situations um, to, to find them, to find growth. One of my guests at one point said that sometimes we go and we do these things. He had done this, uh, epic bike, bike ride from Canada to Mexico. And like, you know, he, he, uh, boiled the whole thing down to suffering. And I asked him about the suffering and he said, like, life's gotten too easy. And sometimes we have to create these artificial challenges in order to, um, you know, create that suffering to give ourselves something to work through. You, you've already gone there, and this is more on not not on an individual level, but on a collective level with Oklahoma City and with the MLK assassination. This is this is amazing. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, um, and it was amazing. I mean, it was, and 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 so I guess I also should back up and say we had a couple rules of our road trip that I think also helped really define what this road trip ended up being. It wasn't the necessarily the what the purpose was at the beginning, but I think it looking back at it, I hope it is what really comes out of this road trip. The two rules that we had were we could not eat at a restaurant that we could eat at in Louisville, Kentucky. Love that. Okay. That was number one. The second rule is uh no headphones in the car. If I was going to have this windshield time with my son, we were going to have the windshield time. Mm -hmm. And so part of the rituals that kind of came out of this was you know, we're, when we're driving into Oklahoma, we're learning about, uh, we're listening to a podcast about the Native Americans um, fight for their land uh, in Oklahoma and how um, all these Indian nations kind of popped up and claimed territories and what that meant for them. And that's actually fairly recent. Um, and then we talked, leaving Oklahoma City, we, we did some podcasts about the Oklahoma City bombing. And we always just kind of tried to listen and learn about the places we were going and then have really good impactful conversations in between the you know, this was really going back to it. It was kind of helping my son at his pivotal age of where he was of getting ready to go to high school, hmm. uh, on his journey to become, a, to help him become a man, yeah. you know? And, uh, um, that's really what it kind of all, you know, came back to. So, Hey everyone, it's Scott here. This podcast is a passion project for me because I absolutely love adventure. And it's thanks to the effort of my residential real estate team here in Charlotte, North Carolina, that many of you know as the W Realty Group, that this podcast gets funded. This awesome group of people have unmatched levels of competence and caring for our clients. If you know of anyone looking to buy or sell a home, our team serves the Charlotte, North Carolina market, but we can also help you find an agent anywhere throughout the US or Canada through our highly connected network. When you support our real estate business, you are also supporting this podcast. Thanks for listening and thanks for your referrals. Well, I mean, we got at least another 4,000 miles to go, probably more yeah. than five. So let's, let's keep going. I would say the next stretch is probably not as eventful. Like we went from uh, Oklahoma City to Albuquerque, New Mexico, with a stop at um, Amarillo, uh, the Cadillac Ranch in Amarillo. You know where all the Cadillacs are standing upside or you know upright with and they're all spray oh, nice. painted and stuff like that. And um, and going through New Mexico is very humbling because it there's a lot of just vacant you know it looked like the cars movie like we literally stopped for lunch in new mexico and it looked like you know you had the old texaco station and everything mm -hmm. else around it was abandoned and i was like oh mm -hmm. we're like 
literally in the setting and we were on route 66. And so, <laughs> but then we, we stayed in Albuquerque, New Mexico, ended up going uh, to a very cool Catholic church. It was, this was a Saturday night. So we went to mass uh, and this, this Catholic church was uh, built before America was even a country. It was built like in 1740 or something like that. I wish I, I couldn't remember exactly what the date was. And, uh, but just to kind of go to one of those more historic Catholic churches in um, in the United States. And then we got up and uh, got up early and we were going to the Grand Canyon. That was the next day. Mm-hmm. So we we made the trip to the Grand Canyon, which, uh, Scott, have you been to before? I'm yes, assuming you have. Okay. Yep. It's one of those things. To the that, rim. I have a goal to go down in, but I'm, I'm right. to the rim. Yeah, and I think that's the thing I learned about the Grand Canyon. Like you go and you could spend a lot of time there and walking around the rim and whatever else. But at the end of the day, you're like you're looking at a really big hole and just trying to even understand the depths of the Grand Canyon. Because I I think that the first thing was you look down into it and you're like, is that the bottom? And then you your eyes adjust and you can go a little bit deeper. And you and I kept on trying to find the river. I don't know if that's Mm -hmm. what you did or not, but Mm -hmm. it's not easy to find, right? Uh, And then you would find little places where the river come through and you could kind of see how your eyes kind of play tricks on you with with depth and whatever else and um but the green canyon for me was like it's one of those places where you go and you look down into a hole for a couple hours and walk around and get a couple different vantage points or you got to like spend like a week there and really get in there and explore it and uh i know my group of guys that you know have talked about hey we maybe we'll try to get one of those white water or one of those rafting permits and try to raft it um doing something like that i think that yeah, would be we, a lot of when fun. you do i might just happen to show up <laughs> that's all right we got a guide who wants to take us on there and everything so nice after that we 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 stayed in kingman arizona we uh we crossed uh into nevada and then eventually into um california right into death valley hmm. we stopped for gas in death valley i was telling you this earlier we stopped and paid 450 for gas and i was like oh my gosh this is unbelievably high for gas and of course i would love to pay 450 for gas right now that's right and that wasn't that long ago that was only a few months ago it was well it was the spring of 2021 this is march yeah, late march 2021 yeah and then um and then we passed the uh, large the world's largest thermometer and this is where i think it's kind of cool because you know this is probably where it's the absolute hottest on our trip and it's it's march and it's hitting close to 100 degrees and we then the landscape of California changes where we're starting to go through all the orange groves. And now we're starting to make this climb up the mountain and, you know, now, and it's not long before we've got snow around us. Like we, Mm -hmm. so like in one day we go from death Valley to the top of a mountain where there's snow everywhere and it's cold and it's, you know, we had, uh, we're going to the sequoia trees. Like we're, we're making the hike to do what we wanted to do to go see these giant sequoia trees. Yeah. And when you're, uh, it's, it's an amazing drive just to see the, the landscape shift. It's, you know, seeing these water reservoirs or lakes that California have and how depleted their water is, was really eye opening for us. Uh, realizing that they, they didn't get the snow melt they usually get. Um, and then getting to where you all of a sudden at the top of this mountain, you're, you're starting to drive along these just ginormous trees and these trees um it's even hard to put into words i i showed scott a picture that we'll post in the show notes of a picture with of me of a selfie with a baby sequoia in the background 
And if you look really close over my shoulder, you can see a green T-shirt at the base of this tree. And that's my not small. I mean, he's not a little guy. He's, you know, <laughs> he's probably a little bit bigger than you, Scott. Right. right. So um, you'll see him at the base of this baby sequoia trees, sequoia tree. And, and it's like you can't he's a speck yeah. around where this huge just uh, uh, trunk of a tree is and. And then we those, got up. To, those trees are old. I mean, how old? They're you know a couple of them are a couple thousand years old. I and mean, I know we've got what's going on at Yosemite right now, and uh, with some of them getting damaged. And um, and I think sometimes we we have a tendency to want to hold on to those old things. Mm -hmm. But the beautiful thing about what's happening at Yosemite right now is that we learned so much about the lessons of these sequoia trees. Is that the only way that a new crop of sequoia trees is going to be planted and flourish? As if the if as if they go through the fire, as they have all these trees have these fire scars on them when you get up uh, in Sequoia National Park, and what it is is that the the seed pods, the pine cones, they don't pop and become fertile unless they have the unless they have the fire, unless they have the test center. It's almost like a popcorn effect, mm -hmm. and and so that you understand that they need the fire to grow and survive and to flourish. And to produce new life was was really awesome. The other thing that we learned about was that there was a tree in Yosemite, and, and Yosemite's a little bit further north, maybe northeast of where Sequoia is. And um, where is that? There was a there was a giant Sequoia tree that just all you know seemed like it was healthy, but it, it fell in Yosemite. And what they determined was how important community is for these trees. This tree had no other sequoia trees around it. By its nature, their roots do not go deep because they're on a mountain. They go, they go wide. They go out. And they grab onto each other and help hold each other up. And that's – so if a sequoia tree has got to have this community of, peop, of other trees around it to keep it standing so that it can grow taller and reach towards the sky at, you know, taller than any other uh, ob living object that we have in the world. You know, so those lessons that we got – from the sequoia trees were incredible. We did you, the, when you go to Sequoia national park, you actually get Sequoia national park and Kings Canyon national park, mm -hmm. the general Sherman tree, which is the largest living object by volume in the world uh, is in Sequoia. And then the one that's got the, uh, the base that's got the greatest uh, circumference is in grant national park. So Sequoia trees are, um, have larger trunks than redwoods redwoods grow taller but sequoias by their nature are, are i'm going i'm gonna go see some sequoias i'm gonna get some pictures for you and yeah. thinking about you but we got to take another time out because sure. you just said we, we got to recap right yeah I mean, we're we gonna go look, long on this scott i'm sorry <laughs> we're gonna, gonna go look, we're gonna learn some lessons from the trees yeah I mean, we started this you know mlk assassination site we got the survivor tree in oklahoma city now we're learning that even sequoia trees have to go through suffering and hardship in order to get stronger, in order to grow. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, even trees need each other to get yeah. through it. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's how we are. I mean, you know, you know that I have a group of guys that I depend mm -hmm. on heavily that, you yeah. know, that we do the same thing. We hold on to each other and we help each other grow and reach towards our goals and uh, the community is so important. And I think that's one of the things during COVID, especially at the impressionable age that our kids are at, you know, part of it is, is my son, I, I know that got very dependent and feels like he can do a lot of things on his own and doesn't need other people. 
and um or we have them the we have so many people just who feel like they're connected on social media devices but not having the the face-to-face interaction and how important that is to really help people grow and and understand i mean uh, you and i are both in real estate i don't know if, if it's been the same for you all but like we it almost became impossible here to rent two bedroom apartments because no one wanted to have a roommate if they were one bedroom apartments we'd rent them all day long you know and it's just like that nature and I'm, my daughter's getting ready to go to college next year and i'm so excited because she's actually staying in an old school dorm with a community bathroom yeah and she's like oh all these other kids are going to college and they've got their like suites and whatever else i was like you don't even understand what a gift that community bathroom is because the first word in that bathroom is community mm-hmm. and when you're sharing a bathroom with an entire four girls you're going to get to know those kids those girls at a deeper level than you'll ever even like think about just because it forces the interaction it forces you to run into them and know their name and talk to them and and when so-and-so is not there you're going to notice and you'll check on them and that like i know colleges want to try to become all this for all these you know to to appeal to so much and they have these like mini hotel suites but at the end of the day like there's something to be said about the lessons that come out of living in four cinder block walls you know basically a jail cell without bars and then sharing a bathroom with a whole floor of people uh, that is extremely valuable part of college. I love it. I so. love it. And, and the proof is in the fact that even the giant sequoia tree can't make it alone. That's right. Even the That's giant exactly sequoia right. tree needs help. Absolutely. All right. Keep us going. Where, where are we going next after the sequoia tree? So that was, the, that was like the goal. Like was That was the goal. We got to sequoia. We got to the Grand Canyon. We've had a good trip. We could turn around and come back. But we, we head up and uh, go to the Bay Area. Uh, San Francisco area. We visit uh, a friend of ours up there. So now, now we're on the way back. We're gonna. It's not as scenic coming back. Although um, we did have some some great experiences, but we went up to went across the Golden Gate Bridge. Um, we stayed that night in Sacramento. The next night we had the next day was a, another long haul. We went from Sacramento uh, to Salt Lake City, mm-hmm. and I don't know if I've ever seen a place that is more um, just like where you feel disconnected from um, from civilization than driving across northern Nevada, by the way. Um, I did get a speeding ticket. <laughs> or no, I'm sorry. I got pulled over. But I I actually, when I got pulled over in northern Nevada, the speed limit was, was 90 maybe. And I think I was going like 95, maybe 100. Hey, listen, um, if you remember the movie, yeah. it wouldn't be a cannonball run without getting pulled over by the police. Right. And I, but I used it as like, Hey, just watch. I want you to pay attention to how I handle this interaction with this police officer to my son. And, you know, it was yes, sir. No, sir. You know, I admitted what I did, you know, kind of told him what we were doing and where we were trying to get to and made it a, made a connection with the, with the guy. And of course we got off with a warning. So, um, so you, you know, did it the real way, like you did it the right way, like the yeah. non-Hollywood way. Cause in the movie, they used a lot of different kinds yeah. of airplane tactics. No. To get out of their speeding I told my son, like, if you get pulled over, this is what you do. Yeah. You don't, you know, you pull over right away. You don't make the guy drive that far down. You make sure you're yes or no, sir. You're pleasant. You're nice. You thank him for doing his job and you know, all that kind of appreciate people and then just see what's going to happen. So you know, we went through Reno. We did all that kind of stuff, stuff, and uh, got to go went across the Great, uh, you know, the the Great Salt Lake on, in its own is not um, 
it's kind of gross actually if you've ever been there it smells terrible and um but going across the salt flats of utah was really cool especially if you're a star wars fan and you had the star wars scene oh. with where you know the they're that they're having the battle with kylo ren on, on the salt planet but yeah um met met another friend actually took advantage of of our network scott and um my son is a uh, very good uh, judoka he does judo at a high level and you know he hasn't been able to exercise that much besides us getting out of the car and walking to these sites and walking a little bit around the green canyon sequoia so and we got him uh, connected through our community with someone who, where he could actually go do a judo class and got to get out there and get some exercise. We went from there and this is where probably my favorite part of the Northern route was driving from Salt Lake to um, Denver, Colorado. Mm-hmm. You're going through the Rocky mountains. It is, it was in some ways, not an easy drive. And in some ways it was like just incredible drive. And then, you know, Utah is just so beautiful with all the different parks that they have. And, um, and, and, and so we made the stop there. We decided to make a little detour and we stopped at Arches National Park, yep. which is not a huge national park as far as national parks go. And we had another national park there that wasn't far away, but we just, from the interest of time, didn't go to Canyonlands. Yep. But Arches is just, it's gorgeous. It's and we, and, Did you get to see the big, the, the delicate oh, arch? Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. Stunning. And we walked and, you know, we got some got some good needed exercise drove through the rockies uh got to denver uh made the trip from denver to kansas city um we actually uh picked up the other two members of our family in kansas city and then drove back to louisville so never the route never overlapped which was you know we took 65 south out of louisville and made our way over to memphis after we got through nashville and then we came home uh you know through with on 64 yeah so never overlap the route um which was pretty cool so and what's cool about this like people that know you that are listening to this like this will come as no surprise people that don't know you you have a vast network of friends and colleagues around the country um you've helped me get plugged into that community um but when you were on this trip you you stopped and saw a lot of those people along the way yeah, it was a balance. I think we we stopped and saw we actually stopped and saw four of the people. We stopped mm-hmm. and and that was all in the northern route. When mm-hmm. we stopped in um, the Bay Area, we stopped in uh, Salt Lake City, we stopped mm-hmm. in Colorado, and we stopped in Kansas City. And um, at the end of the day, like I wanted to make the main thing the main thing. The main thing was making sure that I had this. Um, I, I think when you have kids who are getting ready to go away to college, you realize that eighteen years is what you really have to have like this day-to-day impact on their lives. Mm -hmm. And uh, I wanted to make sure that um, we kept that father-son time the main thing and not make it feel like he was going to dinner with my friends every night and that kind of stuff. But so we kind of pick and chose people he he also had a relationship with and how we could kind of make this trip work for us. Yeah, absolutely. But also it kind of just emphasizes this point about the giant sequoia trees having that community. Yeah. Having that community. And you know, you are, you're a master at that. Like that's one of the things that that is a superpower of yours is being involved in, in community and having connections all over the world. And it doesn't come naturally to me, by the way, I am naturally introverted. Well, you figured it out. Let's maybe you've practiced. I I go back to the book, the go giver 
Mm. And the person, the character in the Go Giver, that's actually kind of the person who's probably the most influential character in the story is the guy who's the connector. And um, I think uh, living the laws of the Go Giver is incredibly important. But then uh, striving to be that connector is another thing that's really important. Yeah. That's uh, a great book, by the way. I think you introduced me to that and my whole team has read it. So I highly recommend it. Um, so here's the thing. You just shared all of this stuff, all of these yeah. different places. Like, I have so many questions. Like, first sure. of all, when in the world did you sleep and were you exhausted when you got home? I mean, you packed a lot into this trip. You know, um, I wasn't that exhausted when I, we could have kept going. I think when it wasn't like we were ready to end it or whatever else. And we did map out our hotels. And I think the one thing is I, I stuck with one hotel brand to make sure that we were getting points at every, you know, stop that we stayed yep. at. So we stayed with one particular brand of hotel and just kind of, and that's basically what I did from a road trip perspective is when we left Louisville, um, we basically had every stop predetermined which hotel we were going to. And, uh, there was, and definitely we made one adjustment to that on the route, uh, around the grand Canyon. Um, it was just kind of choosing how we wanted to make sure we made the most of the, of that time. And then, uh, but beyond that, it was, that was pretty easy. I mean, we, we would go, we would do our thing in the middle of the afternoon. We would have an early dinner. We were probably in bed by nine o'clock, 10 o'clock. We'd wake up, get on the road around four, four thirty, and then, uh, do it all over again. So that was it. 5,600 miles, nine days. Did you calculate how many hours you spent in the car? Uh, no, I did not. Yeah. Only I mean, like, it's, again, it's a lot. It's a it lot. A lot. Yeah. I'm curious what that, so you, it you probably had to be wind, close to 80. Yeah. Yeah. And you talked about windshield time. Like, yeah. like talk, can you talk about some of the conversations that you guys had and some of the stuff that happened while you were driving? I know you yeah, talked I'm, about podcasts and. Well, I mean, we talked about podcasts and then what there was lessons from those podcasts, but again, he's, he's going into high school. Like there's, there's experiences that, are going to become more prevalent as you get older and you get more freedom, you get your license, whatever else that you got to be prepared for. We talked about, you know, making choices with substances. We talked about, um, you know, making sure that you, he understood the morals of, of how we feel about uh, sexual interactions with other, with others and, and how you value other people and, and uh, all those kind of father son conversations that need to happen. Um, we allowed them and, you know, and even to the point of like how you need to approach your day and how do you need to understand, like, I'm a big believer that the most important thing that people can get out of going to high school is not, you know, what you learn in history class, but can you take and understand the process by what you learn and how to make and how to go through that process. And, um, the, the school he ended up going to for high school is a, is a private high school here in Louisville, Kentucky. And it's, it goes back five generations of my family. And we talked a little bit about that and, you know, some historical perspective about what he was getting ready to do from that standpoint. And he's the first of that fifth generation to, to go to this school and um, just really trying to, and the cool thing about when you're 81 or 80 hours of windshield time, like, I don't ha I didn't have to force any of those conversations. We could kind of guide our conversations to get us to that point. So nothing felt like, you know, Hey son, we're going to sit down and have the talk, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I'm thinking like, yeah. you, know, you got them captive too. Cause you're like, you're stuck in the car. You're sitting right next to me. You are, and you don't have headphones to me. Preach. No earbuds, <laughs> no AirPods. We're not doing any of that stuff. Right? But he was receptive. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it was a very little drama. Uh, we were, we never got tired of each other. You know, you're mixing in these conversations with 
getting out of the car and seeing some cool things along the way. And of course, when you, when you fly over something, it's one thing, but when you drive our country, you just, mm-hmm. you get a whole, like the one perspective that I got is like the majority of our country is not full of green grass. Like where you and I live, like it's lush, there's trees, yep. green grass. It doesn't take long before I get in the pits of Arkansas and you know, all of a sudden, like there's a lot more Brown around us and there's yep. green, you know, yep. and, um, rock I think and we, sand and just yeah. dry. Yeah. And we take that for granted, I think, um, in a lot of ways. Yeah. So Mike, um, I want to talk about him and I want to talk about you. Do sure. you, do, would, would, if I was talking to him, would he say that that trip changed him and, and how do you feel like he would answer that? That's a good question. I think, uh, if you asked him in 10 years, he probably would say, yes, it changed him. You know, I think there's still the teenage boy yeah. probably would not, maybe not admit that just yet. So did you see any changes? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, mainly from just, uh, building the trust level between the two of us. Mm-hmm. And it's not the first adventure that him and I had gone on by ourselves, And, and we've been, um, we've been able to do some things since. So it's just, you know, knowing that, um, you know, him, the one thing about that I think was always difficult for him is that his, his, uh, I'm a former basketball coach and his sister is a pretty good basketball player. She's going to play college basketball next year. And, um, and he never took to that at all. You know, it was never his thing. And I think that he was in the back of his head was wondering if, you know, if that was a disappointment to me, which it was not, it was one of those things. Like even early on, I think I was like, Hey, you don't want to play basketball, man. You don't have to play basketball. Like, let's go find out what you're good at. Let's go, yeah. let's go untap your gifts and what you yeah. want to do. And, and in being able to do these things with him that he enjoys you know, we drug him all over the country going to basketball tournaments. You know, now I got to drag him around the country for something that he wanted to do. Yeah. And just making sure that that connection was there was, was super important. So. I love it. So what about yeah. you? Did the trip change you? Um, The trip changed me from the standpoint, like, I honestly, like, I don't mind flying, but if it's within like 12 hours, I'll get in the car and I'll drive it. <laughs> and that, And you didn't feel that way before this trip? Um, I, I did to a degree, but I think it's that it probably broadened a little bit. I mean, Louisville, whenever you fly to Louisville, you've got to, you're going to have to connect anyway. So like, there's not a whole lot of time savings there. And I, it's almost easier for me to kind of listen to a podcast or, or listen to an audible book in the car ride than it is for me on the plane. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's some sense of control, but then I have my vehicle there. I don't have to worry about Ubers and whatever else when I get to where I'm going. Like I, I'm I'm happy getting out and driving and seeing our country and just I, I like I like doing that a lot. And now, you know, I've literally driven to from and not in one trip, but I've, you know, driven my car to the Atlantic, you know, driven my car to the Pacific and nothing none of that scares me at all. So <laughs> So Mike, you and I are coached um we're mutually coached by the same organization and they've done this um sort of personality profile on us and we yeah. both share this trait called free spirit. Correct. Right. And so I'm curious how this this trip fed your free spirit. Yeah. The fact that it we it was February and I just said, Hey, let's go. Like that's the free spirit right there. The spontaneous, yeah. I can make this decision. My business is still gonna run you know, just get up and go. And, and then again, we didn't, over, we planned where our stops were and we knew it. We kind of wanted to go see, but we really didn't over plan the trip, you know, uh, so that we could let it, the trip kind of happen to us uh, mm-hmm. and unpack itself too. Yeah. So, 
So the, dare I say the trip fed your fed your uh, free spirit tank gave you some absolutely one hundred percent yeah one hundred percent yeah that's awesome. So I think what's what I love about this trip is again I know fifty six hundred miles in nineties a lot of people like wouldn't even think this is possible but even just listening to this podcast and hearing all the stuff that you packed into a short amount of time frankly it's going to take away excuses right because I think. A lot of the people that have been on my podcast have taken a month off, two months off, three months off, sure. in nine days. Um, yeah. And what's cool is like, you know, uh, a former coach, you're still a coach today. You yeah. know, you're not a basketball coach uh, directly, but you are a coach and right. you've got this awesome podcast, um, the Align Life Pro, where you're helping entrepreneurs to um, improve their business and you're a 12 week year trainer. I'm just curious, like, how does all of this adventure stuff kind of fit into the bigger picture of, you know, being the best that we can, whether it's as an entrepreneur or just being a better human? Yeah, I mean, I think it all feeds itself. I mean, I think that's the bottom line is I've got to be able to have this business rocking and rolling and um, and be able to operate whether I'm here or not. When I'm here, I want to be doing very high level things to move the business forward. Um, because like for me, the ultimate goal is to be able to live in Italy for three months, mm, you know, and nice. so, um, and there, and I can live in three, live in Italy in three months and still get some work done from where I am and all, whatever else. And, uh, but I understand that. And that's why I'm trying to like, I am a 12 week year trainer, but I also want people to understand, like I struggle with the 12 week year stuff because that is long. I'm, I'm, I'm in that same profile. I am uh, what they call specific, which means long-term planning for us is lunch and which is also can be dangerous with the free spirit. Right. And so like a 12 week plan is a long time for me, you know, where they're trying to create a sense of urgency. It's still like something I get bored with and how I try to. And so I'm going through this process because the, the trick is how, how do I trick myself to being um, consistent because the specific free spirit doesn't want to be consistent. They want to have new adventures every day. They want to have different things. But I, at the end of the day, I've got to lean into these core things on a consistent basis because the only way to truly unlock the freedom that I desire is to embrace the systems and the structure that will get me there. And uh, otherwise, I'll have freedom, but there's going to be a huge price to pay. And, uh, and so the 12 week year is just a, a model to help me kind of get those structures and systems in place. The structure gives you the freedom. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The structure that we resist so much, you know, yeah. gives us is what, and the consistency of that, you know, just really is, is huge. Yeah. So the other piece is, you know, taking nine days away from your business. Yeah. Um, you know, it, I, what I'm hearing is that like the focus was your son, like that was yeah. priority number one. Sure. But I got to imagine again, like this stuff all kind of weaves together. Like when you got back from that trip, you had nine days of just being completely out of the business. Like what does a break like that? What does a trip like that do for your business? And how did it make you better when you got back? Yeah. Well, I mean, you and I also are very lucky that we have spouses that, um, mm -hmm. you know, do a lot of heavy lifting in the business for us. <laughs> you know, I, I would never be able to do any of this stuff if it wasn't for uh, my lovely and beautiful and talented, um, hardworking wife. Um, She's but, great. I can she, attest to that. And our, our two wives actually are on a, uh, I don't know if it's every two weeks or whatever, but they do yep. a little 
accountability call themselves. And they are sequoia talk, trees and they're connected. That's right. They talk about dealing with their difficult husbands. And um, <laughs> yeah, I think that for me, it was understanding when I got back that there are, and this come anytime, like I just got back from Italy, I can let go and my team can handle this basic level stuff. I can, I can 80, 20 my production as much as I want to, and really get to those key things that move the needle. And I'm, it's okay for me to let go and, and get help from these other people so that the, the business can grow like Sequoia tree. We got, and that's really what you and I both have kind of got. Like we've got these, these, this group of people and agents and staff and, they're all their own sequoia trees that are trying to reach for the sky and reach for their limits. And we've got to tie into each other so that as a, as a group, we're all, we're doing the same. Yeah. Well, Mike, I also just listening to you talk, I mean, I feel, I, I, I sense that there's like an awareness, sort of an opening, like you kind of like allowed your curiosity to lead you through some of this and some of these experiences, these unexpected experiences kind of expanded you know, maybe the way you think or the way that you see things. And I've got to believe that like, like the survivor tree, right. Um, mm. Things like that. And some of these metaphors that we're pulling out of the experiences that you bring back to the team, to your clients, to just the way that you conduct yourself. Yeah. I mean, I, I thank you. I mean, I think that there's um, you know, and I, I think it's also too, just the way you and I do business. Like our, our clients love to hear about our adventures. Like, they don't, it's not like we have like, man, you disappeared on me for whatever else. Like we get back, they want to hear the stories. They want to see the pictures. They want to, they want to, uh, uh, they want to live it vicariously through us. Right. So it's, we just, we we're blessed with a lot of great people. Yeah, we sure are. And I'm just so grateful to, to know you and have been connected to you. I can credit Mike Gandolfo for so many, so many of the guests that have been on this show. And, and Mike actually played a role in getting me to Mount Kilimanjaro, um, earlier this year. So just by through some of the connections that he made and Mike, I'm forever grateful for that. So, you know, again, I think you break through some barriers when you travel as far as you did in a short period of time. And I want to ask you like for people that are listening that maybe have like thought about different adventures or doing something like you did, but maybe feel some resistance or, you know, experiencing those doubting thoughts as to why they can't, what advice do you have for people? Well, I guess it depends if you're a free spirit or not. You mean, <laughs> but at the, at the end of the day, it's it's rare that I hear someone say that they were they regret doing something adventurous, right? Like they, oh, I wish I never would have done this or whatever else. And I guess if something tragic would have happened along the way, it would have been different. And there's always that small, small sliver of a chance. But at the end, most people, their regret says, man, I wish I would have done this. I had the opportunity to do this at this age, and now I can't go do this. And um, I, I, I could have gone to Yellowstone and I didn't get a chance to go do it. And cause that's an awesome trip too. And, uh, it's just when you get the opportunity to go do stuff, embrace it and go do it, be in the moment when you're there and just really understand that our world, but even our country just has so much to offer if we just go out there and explore it. I love it. So we, we talked about the movie, the 1980s movie, the cannonball yeah. run. I'm pretty sure they made a cannonball run too. I can't remember. It if did, they did, but I think it was pretty bad. I think it was too. And yeah, I don't remember yeah. if there was a three or a four, but whatever number they're at, you know, you're going to be the star of the next cannonball run movie. Hollywood's going to make a movie about you and your life, whether <laughs> I don't it know about that, strip, but yeah. 
oh, it's happening. It's it's on. <laughs> Maybe it's a coaching movie. I don't know, but they're going to yeah. make a movie about you. And I want to know when they do, who's going to be the Hollywood actor that's going to play you. Yeah. So I actually get stopped quite a bit. Um, Michael Lennington and I were actually uh, doing a speaking engagement in Georgia and I even got approached in the hotel and people ask if I'm the guy who plays Rip on Yellowstone. Nice. <laughs> so, um, so I think his name is Cole Hauser. So yeah, that's, I he, guess that's the guy. confused, you know? Yeah, I know. That's where he got his. So yeah, uh, I love it. Um, that's people say, Hey, are you, are you Rip from Yellowstone? And Cole Hauser, baby. Okay. Cole Hauser, yeah. I love it. That's awesome. What's your movie going to be called? Uh, I think roots and wheels. Ooh. All right. Yeah. Roots and Wheels starring Cole Hauser. I love it. Yeah. I'm going to I'm going to watch that movie for sure. Uh-huh. And uh, and Mike, you know, um 12 week year training, uh RE Solutions, all the other things that you got Line Life Pro, how can people find you? Yeah, I'm I, I would love to tell you that you could find me on social media, but I'm making a very concerted effort to not be on social media right now. So, um, you know, I'm just really want to stay connected, but uh there's resolutions.realtor is our website. Um, my email address is mike at resolutions.realtor. Uh, that's always probably the best way to reach me. And, uh, you know, whatever you want to talk about, if you, uh, I, I'm talking to some people about helping them understand how to do Italy, um, and best ways to go about that and what we've learned about from our trips to Italy. And, or if you want to learn about doing a road trip across the country, yeah, you know, however I can help people. Nice. Well, Mike, just want to publicly thank you for being such an awesome friend, mentor. You've helped me in so many ways. You've connected me with so many people. And I am um, so sincerely grateful for everything. And for those listening, I hope you've been inspired today as much as I have. I hope that Mike's story has encouraged you to listen to the voice inside that calls you to adventure because we want to hear your story next. If you have a story to tell or you need a nudge to create one, please send me an email. And we'd also appreciate it if you could tag us on social media or leave us a review. And until next time, I want to encourage you to get outside. Thank you for listening. Mike, thanks so much for being here. Thanks, Scott.